Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 19 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Today I'll be speaking with Liz Grubb of the podcast, Two Adoptive Mamas. Many moves and a decade after beginning her career in higher education, Liz has taken a step back from residence life and engaged in full-time remote work to allow more flexibility as a wife and a mom. She and her husband have made two trips across the pond over the last five years to bring home two school-aged children, a daughter from Poland and a son from China. Jesus, family, and an amazing network of support have helped Liz, mama of two, navigate countless therapy sessions, specialist appointments, and a variety of procedures. Liz is committed to helping other adoptive mamas thrive professionally and personally amidst the growing needs of family and school-aged children, fully trusting in God's handiwork and plan to use the hard for His glory. Again, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Matthew 13, verse 44. Welcome to today's show. I am so happy to be speaking with Liz Grubb. Liz and I met... Gosh, we met months ago. Uh, We actually, I believe we met on one of uh, those podcast groups that uh, we belong to. I think, right, Liz? I think it was a book launch group. That that's right. And podcast group. That's I don't know. Right. Yes. Yes. We did. We met on it. We were both on a book launch team together, and then we connected after that, and we were yes. in a in a podcast group too. So Liz Grubb runs Two Adoptive Mamas, which is a wonderful podcast. Very real, very spirit filled, and just very hope filled too. And I've asked Liz to be on our show. I was on her show. Um, a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And I've asked Liz to be on our show to talk about her family's journey, having a child with an FASD, and what made her shift from being mom to parent advocate to mama podcaster. (laughs) So Liz, welcome to FASD Hope. Thank you. I am honored to be here. Very excited. Liz has a lovely podcasting voice. (laughs) Oh gosh. (laughs) It's always a treat listening to her. And um, so pressure, pressure. Well, I can't change my voice, I guess. So we we both have the same microphones. We were kind of geeking over that too. We both use the same microphones. You know, you're in the podcasting circle when you geek out about microphones. That's (laughs) right. That's right. So Liz, let's talk about your family's journey because your family has had a very interesting journey adopting twice internationally, just how your family grew and how you later discovered FASD. Yes. So um, it was really 
cool for me to prepare for our episode together um, because I have shared our adoption story and bragged about Jesus a lot, uh, but I haven't really uh, filtered through from the FASD lens in a while. Um, and so to be able to think back um, about some of those nuances of our process and our journey um, with that lens of having an FASD in our family was uh, good. It was, Honestly, it was good for me to reflect on where we were, where we have come from and where we are now. So uh, yeah, we we have adopted twice internationally, like you said. Um, our journey started when we were pretty young uh, in our marriage and and just young age-wise, um, but I had a miscarriage in 2013, and uh, that was a really uh, difficult, it was brief, but it was a difficult season um, where my husband and I, uh, we had not been trying to have kiddos, and um, I was working in higher education at the time, and so we are living on campus and loving that, you know, ministering to college students life. And so then to find out that we are pregnant and then to, to lose a baby so quickly find and find that out. Um, it was just such a whirlwind. And then we were like, Oh, maybe we kind of want this now. (laughs) And so that was cool. But then we felt like we didn't know how we were supposed to start. And so whenever we reflect on that season, we always say, We wanted the Lord to um, guide us in how to grow our family, but we weren't quite sure which step he wanted us to take first, but I think that he used, um, you know, our healing journey through that loss. He used that to show us that there are a lot of different ways to start a family. And we always talked about adoption, but it seems kind of a little abstract and like this nebulous concept when you're dating and you're not, you know, you don't have a ring on the finger yet. And so we were talking about it, but it became really real at that point. So we started with foster to adopt and we fostered two little girls and then they went back to their biological mom. Um, and so that was more a loss. And so I looked at my husband and I said, it's time for a forever kiddo uh, who can stay with us. Um, and we might revisit foster care in the future because my husband works. Um, he's a counselor and was some did some social work. So we have a heart for that, but we really wanted some kiddos to be with us uh, forever. Um, so we started the journey for Poland and, uh, I remember through foster training actually, and also through the adoptive training, especially when you like choose an Eastern European country, there's always a section in the adoption training that they make all the families go through called prenatal alcohol use or something like that. It's really generic. And honestly, that was a blur. I remember going through it because I had to, um, I think you need a certain number of hours. And so that was like one of the, you know, one of the little units that we, we tried. And I remember having to go through it. I don't remember anything about the training as a pre-adoptive parent. So we got a ton of, um, referrals through the foster care system, but when we went internationally, it was actually the first adoption referral that, um, ended up being our daughter. And when we saw that referral, there were tons of acronyms for diagnoses on it. And my first reaction was fear. I'm, if I'm being totally vulnerable, it was, it was fear I out of unknown, not because of what they were, because I didn't know what they were and I didn't know how they interacted with one another. Um, 
so we started asking some people who either were in the, you know, our agency community and we're like, Hey, like, what do these things mean? And, you know, it's nice that I can like read them in a medical dictionary, but like, what does it actually mean? And so FASD was uh, one of the diagnoses on that referral. She had a couple other neurological diagnoses on there. So I remember asking a couple of families in the community um, that we were kind of introduced to as a result of the agency, what do these mean? Um, and specifically, what does the FASD mean? Because it was a spectrum disorder, I didn't really know how to prepare myself. And so I remember one family that we asked, the mom said, and I quote, it's just a label they put on all the kiddos' files. And I was like, I don't, okay. So again, pre-adoptive mom, I didn't know what to do with that information. Like for me, that could have meant anything. It could, I mean, it could have meant anything. I had no idea what to do with that. So then another family, I remember the woman said, well, it was on our kiddos' referral, um, but we don't really see the effects right now. Every kiddo is different. And again, I was like, okay, that still doesn't help me. <laughs> I just didn't know how to wrap my mind around this. I remember my husband, Dan, and I watched a ton of videos and I remember not being able to find a lot. And I, the ones that we could find were a lot of uh, kiddos um, or like young adults who were in high school or older. And our child um, at the time of the referral was two. And so I was like, if I already have this whatever you, I'm using air quotes, label as the one family said it, diagnosis as the referral called it, and she's two, like, what am I, what are they seeing right now that I need to be aware of? Why is it on there? And how would I parent that? I, you know, I need to, I want to be prepared. So I also remember going to a pediatrician and I remember saying, Hey, like we have all these things. We want to say yes, but we want to be prepared. So will our kiddo be able to have a life where she can thrive and have some form of independence? And will we ever be able to have more kiddos? Well, if not biologically, can we welcome more kiddos in our home? Because our heart is bigger than one kiddo. And we felt, and I'm, you know, again, I'm like pulling back the transparency layers here, but for us, those two questions were really important um, because I, in my opinion, a thriving kiddo is one who is loved and happy and can, they can thrive in many different uh, forms that in itself is a spectrum. So we weren't, we didn't have this specific view of what thriving meant, but we wanted to make sure that she had the ability to receive, I guess, love, which you and I know all kiddos can. <laughs> so that was an easy yes for that question. And he gave it a very easy yes. Um, and for the second one, he said, I see no reason why you guys can't. And so we were like, all right, here we go. <laughs> like time to, time to move. So in country was really hard and nothing. I don't think that anything prepared us for our in country time. Um, when Poland, I don't think Poland is open for intercountry adoptions anymore. But at the time, the Polish laws and policies were that you had to stay in country for six weeks. So it's a very long time to be in a foreign country where you're unfamiliar with the language and the culture and the food and the 
everything with a toddler who has a lot of diagnoses that you haven't seen a doctor who speaks your language yet. And you're still getting to know each other. There's tons of trauma. There's tons of everything. So we felt really alone and we felt really unprepared for what we were dealing with. Um, but I do now in hindsight, because I was reflecting on this, I do feel very grateful that we had the diagnosis, even though we didn't understand what it meant at the time. So immediately when we came home, I think we focused on a lot of other things. It turned out that some of the diagnoses weren't accurate or she had, she had either grown out of them or had had self-corrected or they just weren't accurate. Um, so we kind of worked through all of those things first, and we are seeing a lot of the um, effects of trauma on our day-to-day uh, and in how she behaved. Um, and so we were kind of like working through that too. And we went to a geneticist. We went, I mean, every single specialist that you can imagine, we were there. Um, so it wasn't actually until 2020 uh, during COVID that we went to our second geneticist for ever, um, just a second opinion. And she just like Claire's day was like, look, there's no genetic anomaly. Like, I know you have a lot of diagnoses that you're working with, but the first one that you should lead with is FASD because, and she didn't go beyond that. You know, I think we can we still have more work to do. She's still young that to figure out kind of like where we are on that spectrum. But she said, that's the one that you need to lead with. So now I think, um, and I, you have mentioned this through your story and through your podcast, just it's freeing to have the diagnosis and to have it there. But it's also something that we see, at least how we describe it is we see the diagnosis and the trauma so interwoven that when we, are showing care and love for our daughter. We need to be able to marry those two in our minds and not separate it. Cause I think if we treat only we, and we had a, I have a dear friend who was a guest on our podcast who said this too. If it's only a medical checklist over and over and over, like you're missing this like life parenting relationship that needs to be growing between you and your kiddo. Um, and if you're like only dealing with the trauma, then that's just really draining. So like, you've got to be able to like marry these two together and, and fuel it with grace and love through parenting. So, so that's kind of where we are right now. Um, our second kiddo who was adopted from China. Um, and we'll, I, we can get into this a little later, but he has very different special needs. Um, and FASD is not one of them. He doesn't have an FASD. So sometimes we struggle to meet both uh, kiddos' needs throughout the day. And um, most times it's because they happen at the same time uh, and every hour is different and that's just the way it is. So we're just constantly on our toes uh, being able to meet everyone's needs. So, you know, we've had to be strong advocates for them and show some hard love with them. And it means for lots of uh, sleepless nights for me and Dan, but it also means these like really, really great, really, really great moments. And we've been able to learn so much about our daughter um, and our son. He's just been home uh, less time. So we, everything's new for him. Still, we're still in that new phase, but we just celebrated five years of our daughter home. And it was really special because on her family day, on her adoption day, I went in to wake her up and I said, 
hey kiddo, happy adoption day. And she just looked at me and said, taken care of, taken care of. And so to see some of these beautiful connections that she's associating family and taken care of and safety um, for us to see that, like it warms my heart because it's warming her little heart too. So yeah, there's a little bit, a little bit of our, our journey. Wow. What an amazing, beautiful journey. I remember when I was on your show and you told me that you had a diagnosis for your daughter and, and you had it very young. You know, she was very young when she received that diagnosis. I remember telling you that it's something that getting the diagnosis, there's a grief, but then there's also a relief with it. You know, there's a grief because you mourn some things that you know your child may not experience or that may not be able to um, have interactions like typically developing peers. But then there's also relief because you know what's behind that diagnosis. You know what that means. You know, I'm amazed that they talk about prenatal alcohol exposure in, they talked about that in your pre-adoptive classes because you know, my husband and I went through foster care adoptive classes before, you know, we adopted our daughter who uh, we knew her, her birth parents. So it was almost like a kinship adoption, but we went through those foster adoption classes and there was no mention of fetal alcohol. Um, That's amazing. So, to so me. that, that is amazing that they, they, they mentioned that in your pre-adoptive international classes. Wow. So I agree. Um, I honestly think though that it is because of a sad stereotype that yeah. comes with adoption from that specific from part of the world. Right. And right. I think it's unfair to say, you know, that what that first family that we asked and when they say, Oh, it's just a label that they put on all of them. I think that's yeah. also a sad stereotype. Yes. Um, Cause that's not the case <laughs> for yes. many, many adoptions in that area. But I, I'm glad you bring up that, what that first family said, because that's, that's misinformation. You know, it is what you're, you're basically, you know, just say, Oh, it, yeah. It's kind of like what, what we were told when our son, when, when the, you know, the neurologist said, Oh, just put him in an early intervention. He'll be fine. He'll grow out of it. You know, no, no, it's a, it's a spectrum disorder. It's brain damage caused from prenatal alcohol exposure. And it's also whole body damage too. So, you know, all the trips to the specialists, all of the doctor's appointments and everything were all related to that alcohol exposure. Absolutely. You know, and I'm thankful that you have this awareness now while she's so young. I mean, we did not get clarification. We did not get an official diagnosis until our son was almost 15, you know? So I'm thankful that you're going into this knowing, you know, about FASD and about um, the ramifications of it and, and about how it's going to change as she gets older too. And I totally um, I feel for you when you say it's, it's a juggling act, having a child with an FASD and having a child with, with other special needs. I feel for you because it is such a fine line. And, you know, some days I just feel, I still, still do, but many days in the past, I just crawl in the fetal position and just, you know, pray to God, just how am I going to get through the next day? You know? So it, yes, we all, we all have ours. Mine is chocolate covered pretzels. So I just will snuggle up on the couch with my bag. That's right. Oh my goodness. You know, it's so we all need our things. 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. Jesus. And then, you know, the, the... oh, don't worry. I'm praying while I eat them. <laughs> exactly. Every, every exactly. single one praying exactly. for something different. <laughs> exactly. Jesus and my chocolate. That's right. That's going to be my next podcast. It was, it was his gift to me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about, you know, you talk about all, and I mentioned in your pre recording intro, all the appointments and everything. Let's talk about that in the beginning and then how that was like an inspiration for you to start to adoptive moms. Yeah, I think um, I've been reflecting on this too, because I think how, when you phrased it to me um, originally, it was, you know, shifting from like mom to parent advocate. Um, And advocacy has been something that my husband has a, identified in my personality and in my drive um, for a long time, even before I was a mom. Um, He used to always tell me that he loved how I fight for my friends and kind of just go that, I don't know, that's just like a drive that I have. So I think that's only Jesus um, that he's kind of instilled that in me. Um, But I don't necessarily know if it's been a shift, uh, for me, I think we serve a God who has asked and entrusted us, uh, to steward and parent other little image bearers. And I think all kiddos need help finding a voice, finding their voice, but our kids need an extra boost or just kind of an outstretched hand to help them. And, I feel like I have been asked to be a mom with a megaphone and um, just be able to shout whatever Jesus tells me to shout uh, for my kids. And if I'm already advocating for them, uh, whether it's in the medical arena or the school arena or just on the playground or whatever that looks like, um, it's because right now that's the season that I'm in as a mom, as a parent, and I'm, you know, I'm going to be a mom forever now. Um, so I'm excited about that season. Um, but they need me to do it. You know, the, soon they're going to learn how to apply it to their own voice and how they can do that. And my kiddos will apply it differently. Um, but I need to model it for them so that they can uh, learn how. Um, and I consider it a pretty big privilege uh, to be their mama. Um, and you know, I'm even like thinking of an example for my daughter. Um, she, for something as simple or as, you know, if you kind of think about hierarchy of needs, like eating is pretty important. Um, but our kiddos come from a complicated history and my daughter in particular, when we were home right away, she used to just sit at the foot of her high chair and just wait. She would whine and she would spin around in a circle. And I think it was possibly four years before she asked me for a snack. And so the first time that she asked me for a snack, um, it was like a major celebration because that's her finding her voice and advocating for herself. And that's a learned skill. And she was able to learn it, I think, because of time and love and grace and um, God empowering her, but she had to see it. And if, if I'm asked to model it for her, I'm that, 
with great power comes great responsibility, right? I'm a huge Marvel fan, so I'll bring in one Marvel whenever I can. Um, but yeah, it's true. Like there's a big responsibility on us as parents for that. And uh, we have to be able to do it well. So I try really hard to take that seriously. Um, but when I think about adoption for the advocacy piece of the adoption community, um, I think it's just a branch of that path that I've like kind of been on forever <laughs> since college and then starting to be the mama and now uh, just to keep going with that. And I don't know, I'm already doing it. So <laughs> if doors are opening and if this is something that God really wants me to do, then it's on me for not listening to what he wants me to do. And if it can bring somebody else hope um, or somebody else, a resource uh, that could potentially change their kiddos' lives or their day to day, then then I should do it. It's, it's my, it's my duty to do it, I guess. So I guess the final thought would be, uh, I think that every adoptive or foster parent is an advocate in some way, because you don't start walking this journey, um, without having a little bit of that drive in your heart, but you don't really need like some book or like, I don't know, rock and blog to like be an advocate. You need to just be, person that you are and the parent that you are, um, because your kiddo is going to need to see that in their community and in their sphere of influence to make their way in the world. Um, and God's asked you to do it. So I think he'll equip you and help connect you to be able to do that. Amen. I, I love hearing that. And it is true. I mean, we're on this journey and we are already advocating for our kids. I mean, even, even, I think even before they come home, we're already advocating, you know, for them. I agree. I, you know, we, we, we are blessed. This is a very, um, this is a very different road than having kids biologically and our pastor, our, our, our favorite pastor who is in New York has always said that adoption is supernatural and it, it really is God's orchestration in putting together a family through adoption. So I, I really love hearing your heart for, for adopting and for wanting to um, just help other families out there. And I think another thing is we as moms and as families who have adopted kids, especially kids with FASD, kids with, you know, other special needs, kids from hard places, I think we want to know that we're not alone. And we always know that we're not alone in our faith. You know, we always know that God is carrying through this. We always know that Jesus is walking us through this. I think we also having that other person connection too is helpful too, because having, you know, someone that you can call up or text at like midnight and saying, he's not going to sleep. What do I do? Or whatever, you know, having, you know, what I like to call that tribe and, you know, that's willing to jump in the trench with you or, or to throw you a rope and say, we've been through this. Let me help you. I think that's a huge part of this, this calling is being serving. You're serving the Lord through building your family and you're serving the Lord through helping other families going through their hard. No, I totally agree with that. I, um, I was even just texting with someone uh, today that we only just met them a little bit ago, but they're on their way um, to see if FASD is a, a part of their new diagnoses. And, you know, they don't know yet, 
But it was just so interesting how I immediately felt a bond with this woman who I only met a little bit ago because we have, there's this kind of, we just get it. Like mm-hmm. there's this quality of exactly. um, this bond that we ha- have that's deeper uh, that we just understand. And, you know, that's what I said to her. I was like, well, I know we're just getting to know each other, but like, I get it. I'm here if yeah. you need me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and I think also it's important. And I, I shared with this when I was on your wonderful podcast, I believe that having a child that has an FASD or that has another brain-based diagnosis, you see them, we are seeing them. There's two ways that you can see a child that has an FASD or, or a brain-based diagnosis. You can see them as the world sees them, which is telling all the, what they can't do, you know, here's the milestones they're not meeting, or here's the things that they're not doing, or here's all these, like you said, you know, seeing that list of acronyms, you know, that list of diagnoses. Okay. Those are the things that the world sees. I feel like as parents, especially as, as followers of Christ, we see our kids the way Jesus sees them. And I think that we're seeing them with grace and with, with, a, a, you know, a brain-based lens. We're seeing them as, okay, their, their brains have been exposed to alcohol. Therefore these, you know, parts of their brains are not functioning or they're not functioning to the development of other, you know, other children. So we, we know that, but we're seeing and using your Marvel reference, which I love, we're seeing the superpowers in them. You know, we're seeing like the wild, you know, strength or the, you know, the ability to do something, you know, we're seeing superpowers, you know, while the world is seeing what they can't do. I think we're blessed as moms, as parents of kids with FASD, especially if we keep that grace and and brain-based lens on, you know, we're blessed to see their superpowers. So before I, I keep talking, Tell me about some of your kids' superpowers, because I want to hear, we always talk about what we always hear about from, from just the outside voices, what they can't do. Tell me about some of your kids, both your son and your daughter, some of their superpowers that just make you as a mom go, yeah. Well, I will happily brag on them all day because I am, but uh, I will try not to be the biased mama, although I will proudly, I guess, name it and claim it <laughs> anyway. Um, my daughter is extremely musical and uh, more musical than my self-professed husband who doesn't have a, a rhythm in his bombs. <laughs> um, he would say that. So I don't feel bad about saying it <laughs> on a podcast. So she, yeah, she can pick up rhythm like nothing else. And she has really good pitch and really good tempo. And our pastor um, has heard her sing and will say, I really wish everyone could sing like she can. (laughs) Um, So she's just, yeah, she's on point. She makes everything a song. Um, And even if, you know, during those difficult moments when we're having trouble finding our listening ears or something like that, if we sing it, we do it it's so crazy. She just, that is how she understands and sees the world. And when you see the world as a song, it's pretty cool. I love that. I love that. It's pretty cool. Um, she's also extremely hospitable and welcoming. So we have, um, we have been told by other, I mean, we watch it every day, right. But it's, it's special when people can pick up on that within just a couple minutes. Um, and especially some, um, like older, uh, 
I would say people who are older than me. So I'm like somewhere in my mid thirties, I'll say. <laughs> so like, um, when people who are older than us, you know, she'll run up right up to them and she'll start telling them about something that happened at church or she'll, you know, whatever she's currently excited about. And they'll just look at us and be like, man, she's such a gem. Like, you know, she just, she runs right up to them. And I think how you phrased it before that, you know, we see our kiddos, uh, with grace and through that brain-based lens. I think that's how she just sees everybody. She just has this grace lens over her eyes. And I mean, man, what I, what I wish that I didn't have to struggle with that, you know, um, that God is teaching me something through her when she just doesn't, she just doesn't see any of it. She just runs right up and shows the grace and shows the love. Um, and so that's a beautiful like lesson and testimony to Jesus that she's teaching us. Um, for my son, I have had multiple people come up from church say, so I met your son. Oh, could you please let us know what your name is? He, he is, he is more extroverted than me. Um, and he will not ever, ever let you miss a detail or a beat. I'm so happy to share his story and so happy to share anything with you. In fact, um, including all of his favorite colors and all of his favorite Paw Patrol characters and all of everything. He just wants everyone, you know, the doorbell rings, come in, come in. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't know who it is yet. Just two seconds. Come with me. So he's just, I mean, he defines hospitable and welcoming and extroverted. <laughs> so he's also a really good builder. So the kid is going to build something great someday. Nice. And knowing that just going in, knowing, knowing your child's strengths and then just watching them develop and gain more and, and grow. I, I think it's such a beautiful thing, especially since you're able to do this now. So that's awesome. I love hearing about those superpowers. Oh, that's awesome. So let's, let's talk about what you want other parents to know before we, we talk more about your wonderful podcast. What do you want parents to know about having a child that has an FASD and your family's journey into the FASD and adoptive community? That is complicated. <laughs> and something we say on our podcast is hard is hard. And so um, we don't have to disclaim that. So yeah, I'll just super quick dive into both of those. But uh, my daughter looks like me, um, you know, we're both in the fair skin, blonde hair genre <laughs> um, of the beautiful color wheel. And yeah, we, I can see to the trained eye, you can look at her and see that there are some physical differences as a result of her diagnosis. But honestly, uh, for the most part by sight, you can't tell <laughs> that she has an FASD and that makes it complicated right now, especially when she's super young and will continue to be, um, just a layer that we have to constantly work through as she gets older. You know, it, it's really tough to explain to another six or seven year old why it takes her a little bit longer to respond when she's asked a question. And it's super tough to tell a teacher that a neurotypical activity in the classroom is just not possible for our daughter without accommodations um, or different expectations and that we have to have different expectations for the output and behavior that she has. And it's not bad. It's just different. And it's just a different way of looking at it. Um, 
or it's tough for me. Uh, and so I'll like put this on me. Uh, it's tough for me to tell another mom who maybe isn't in the adoption community that her repetitive loops or whatever might be happening that she might be struggling with. Um, it's not just going to go away by me telling her to move on and go play. Um, I can't just like sit and sip lemonade and watch all the kiddos play (laughs) in the yard. Like that's not something that I have been able to do yet and don't know if I will be able to do. I'm not complaining about that, but that is a layer of complication that for our son, uh, he is of a different race. He's from China. He looks super different than me. Um, and one of not his only, but one of uh, his special needs is limb differences. And so there's, there's a very physical and like tangible expectation for people when they look at our family, they, they have different expectations for what they see. Um, and you shouldn't be judged. I'm not saying that this is the only thing I'm just saying that this is kind of like what happens, right? There are different expectations from other people, um, that, we don't owe anyone an exp- an explanation for this, um, for either of our kiddos. And we don't need to betray anything about their story or anything like that. We don't owe that, but it does make it hard. And it does mean that the way that we run our family is different. And it does mean that if we're at a barbecue or a picnic, if they ever come back, thanks COVID. Uh, if they, if all those things happen and are making some parenting choices that someone's never seen before. It's because we're loving on our kiddos the way that they need to be loved on. And that's the way it is. It's just, that's just the way it is. So, um, and hard is hard. I would say, you know, me sharing all of this on your show, uh, or to another mama, um, or another friend, if it is decided that I share something, I'm, I'm sharing it from my perspective and I'm not asking for sympathy or for someone to, to fix it for me. I'm, I'm just sharing what my reality is as a, a mom of two special needs adopted kiddos. I'm not trying to betray their experiences. I'm not trying to, you know, take something away from them. I'm just saying, Hey, like this is what happened in my day as a mom. And like, this is just the reality of what's in front of me. And I'd love prayer for this, this, and this, and Next time you go to the supermarket, I like super need some eggs, like just whatever it is. Right. Um, and that's just like my heart. But if your heart is different, if your heart is, I don't know, like they wouldn't eat the teething ring or they had to, that's okay. That's your heart. And so that's why we say heart is hard. Like it's not, it's not to put my heart above somebody else's or to belittle another experience. It's to, to live life together. Heart no, is I not think. competition. There's no competition no. in hardness. <laughs> and we, we as moms are like pretty good at that judging, yes. comparing thing. Yes. Gotta let it go. We yes. Let it go. <laughs> the competition of parenting and the mommy competition. Yeah. I, I mean, and I was actually texting with a good friend of mine um, today who also has, you know, kiddos um, with FASD. And, and she was like, you know, it just... The people, they just tell me, like, if you would only do this, then this would happen, you know, and it still gets you, even though you've, you've gone through training and you've done education and you've done everything, 
it still will sometimes throw you off when people say, oh, well, if you only did this, then this will happen because that's the world talking. And we have this blessing. It's a very, very hard blessing. Hard is hard. It's a hard blessing. But we have this blessing of, again, seeing our kids with grace, you know, and I think a lot of brain-based parenting, meeting our kids where they're at, you know, whether it be physically or socially or developmentally, I think a lot of that requires grace because it requires us to put aside our, our pride or to say, oh, well, I expected to do this as a mom, you know, nope, sorry, that's not going to happen. So I'm so thankful that you're sharing this, Liz, because I, I really pray that other moms, especially who are new to, they have littles because I have a little and a big. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like tennis game there, but you have two youngers and they both have very different needs yet the world sees them differently because your daughter's needs are pretty much invisible. The world can't see them, but you know, when she interacts, then they experience it. Yet your sons are, are visible. And it's very challenging when you have a child that has an invisible disability, because you really feel that judgment. You really feel that, oh, that expectation. So I, I'm really glad you're bringing this up, Liz, because this mm -hmm. is really important. And again, if we can communicate, especially to other families out there, that you're parenting the way is best for your family, that's what is important. Don't listen to the outside, you know, noise, you know, use your mic, use your megaphone, use your microphone or your megaphone to say, you know what, this, this is the way that works for us. I'm sharing it. If it works for you, great. If not work, do what works best for your, your family. So I'm so glad you're, you're sharing that. And we keep coming back to this concept of grace. And so, you know, to have the grace lens, like my yes. daughter does, um, yes. you know, to see things that way. But I think that applies to ourselves too. And, you know, you had said, you know, we might have had certain expectations of what this mama life would look like. And I, so I just celebrated 10 years of marriage with my husband. Congratulations. Uh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Two days ago. Congratulations. Um, and 10 years ago, uh, when we were getting married, I thought that he and I were going to be in Costa Rica right now. <laughs> that was the dream and not so. Uh, in fact, on anniversary number nine, I had a major life altering surgery, uh, anniversary number 10, we moved into our new house. And in fact, six of our 10, uh, anniversary dates, we moved somewhere. Um, I have two kids with special needs adoptions and nothing about my life looks like I thought I was going to in my vision uh, 10 years ago. And honestly, that makes me really excited for what the next decade is going to be. Exactly. Because if I put those glass filtered lenses on, um, I have two pretty sweet kiddos who are going to teach me something new. Uh, I'm going to walk through a lot of things that are hard, <laughs> I'm exactly. gonna, I'm, but I'm going to be somewhere where the sweet moments are a lot sweeter. I love that. I love that. And I also think that our kids are teaching us way more than we're teaching them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hands I hands down agree with that. Yeah. That's the beauty of this. So let's talk about your faith. Your faith is so, you know, our faith carries us through this journey. We know that God put us on this journey with these amazing kids for, you know, just reasons that, 
you know, some days in the hard, in the really hard, in the chocolate covered pretzel hard, we're like, you know, oh my goodness, I, I don't know if I can do this, but we know that God is carrying, carrying us through. How has your faith carried you through, especially the hard parts of this journey? Uh, I feel like this could be the longest answer or the shortest answer to just say, I can't do anything without Jesus. <laughs> um, I can't, I really, honestly, I could like end there or I could tell a million stories, but yeah, I love how the chocolate covered pretzels thing keeps coming back. Sorry. But I mean, yeah, the way to Liz's heart is chocolate. However, all that to say, <laughs> um, I think what is, what's the most important about like how I associate that is like, okay, like I, I recognize that my days don't, they like can't be just me. <laughs> um, I, I do not have, the, I've personally, individually, just Liz, do not have the, the strength to get through a day. <laughs> um, but Jesus does. And in fact, he already knows how many days I'm going to be here and what I'm going to do tomorrow and all of these different things. And nothing is a surprise to him. And so when I think about my faith, I think about how he has advocated for me, um, how he has like already done everything um, and how he has looked at me with a grace lens um, and has applied that. And he saved me <laughs> um, and he's my everything. And when I'm done at the end of the day and can't move or, um, looking around the house and, you know, didn't meet that expectation or didn't do this. And I still work full time right now. And so, you know, there's like always a long to do to do list. And it's not even just about that, just my own emotional or spiritual well being. I'm better when I'm with him and I'm better when I'm reminding myself that I signed up to follow him and, Amen. um, he had this life made for me and set out for me and I'm walking it with him. I'm not walking it alone. And that makes it good. Amen. So, amen. Oh, I love hearing that. Oh, thank you for sharing your heart. Oh man. Okay. When we meet someday, I'm bringing the chocolate covered pretzels. <laughs> okay. I'll bring whatever your equivalent is. <laughs> it's, it's the same. Actually, chocolate covered pretzels works beautifully for me too. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Two peas in a pod. <laughs> oh my goodness. So let's talk about your wonderful podcast, Two Adoptive Mamas. So so tell me about the inspiration. And Sarah is your co-host. Yes. And, and she's lovely. And I had such a wonderful time on it. Let's just talk about it. And, and you know, when did it start? And, and what are you doing? And what are your plans for it for, for the rest of the year? Sure. Um, well, quite honestly, it started when last fall, Sarah texted me and was like, hey, we should start a podcast. And I was like, okay. And she was like, this is why I love texting you because you'll say yes. I was like, oh, I'm dead serious. And she's like, I know. That's why I love texting you. So there it is. The, I wish I could tell you more than it was that, but the inspiration came and uh, Sarah and I knew each other before we worked together professionally um, in higher ed and then both independently for um, different reasons, made some de decisions to, to step away from that for a season and, and start something new. And I think the podcast is, the podcast has been a more of a blessing for us. We're learning, um, we're getting to meet, you know, wonderful people. We're, um, being, you know, we're able to network and connect all of these different resources and pull 
together a bunch of topics, but it started because we wanted to have real honest conversations about the day-to-day of adoptive motherhood uh, for many of the reasons that we just discussed tonight. You know, it's a different walk. Um, and like you said, we don't, we just sometimes need to be reminded that we're not alone. Um, no one likes to feel alone, but the cool thing is we're not. <laughs> and so um, God has has woven us into a certain community where we are right now. And there are resources and the adoption community uh, for those who have adopted is one of them. And so we want to be able to connect that. Uh, We started noticing just through our own journeys that, you know, not everything that needs to be talked about is being talked about. And um, we wanted to be able to do that in a vulnerable way, a transparent way, Uh, that was also filled with grace (laughs) um, and filled with faith uh, and honoring all parts of the adoption triad, adoptee, uh, biological and birth parents, um, and the adoption or the adoptive mama experience. So uh, we didn't really like feel or hear ourselves in the mommy blog space, uh, which is super important. Like we follow them, but we didn't really fit that genre. And we didn't really fit the like education only. We just kind of wanted to be able to come around and support other adoptive moms. So I also think, and I don't know if you felt this way through your adoption journey, but there's so many resources out there. Uh, and sometimes it feels like you have to listen to 30 podcasts and you have to read 14 books and you have to do these 30 hours of training. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't remember what the first hour of the training was about anymore. Uh, also I'm a mom. And so I have 30 minutes while I'm doing dishes. That's like what you get in the day. Uh, so we're hoping, I think when you ask like what our vision is, our hope and goal is to kind of be this super great like clearinghouse for where, you know, we had you on our get on our show. And so if we meet someone uh, who is uh, needing more FASD resources, we know where to put them and we know where to send them. Um And so we want to kind of be like this clearing house of resources so that really, I mean, like one of our tags is to navigate the day-to-day of mamahood. You encounter so many things in a day-to-day, normally for five minute snippets of time. Um, So we are like, you know, asked to be spinning all these plates and we have to know all these different things, but we like dip into a deep dive for five minutes and then someone else has run to the bathroom and somebody else just tripped and... I need to cook something, whatever. Right. So all of that is part of being an adoptive mom. And then you add all of the special needs, trauma, uh, other navigating diagnoses. How do you navigate the medical world? Fill in the blank of all these other things that are atypical. So yeah, that's kind of where we want to be. And like you said, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to do it in an honest, real, transparent way, but filled with love. So we're excited about it. It's been it's been going really great. We started it in the end of 2020. We're just gonna keep going. I love that. And it's such a wonderful podcast too, because you have a variety Thanks. of guests. <laughs> you have a variety of guests on your show. And you you all are really again, you are a resource for moms out there 
and for adoptive families out there thinking about, I think your podcast is the one I would have wanted, you know, 18, 19 years ago, you know, that's what we've said about it too. Like yeah. if we could have listened to, to this type of thing, 10, 12, five, whatever, however yes. many years ago, when we Ex- were just starting, this would have been super great. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you all formed your podcast, the same reason we formed our podcast is because right. it was the podcast we needed to hear years ago. So that's right. I love that. I love that. That's wonderful. Can you share? I'm giving you a platform now. Can you share how people can listen to you, get in touch with you, follow your wonderful, wonderful social media handles and everything? Please share away. Sure. Well, we are twoadoptivemamas.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at twoadoptivemamas or on Facebook. Um, and we do have an email list where we try and give some f- special resources and giveaways. So you can look for that at twoadoptivemamas.com slash connect. Uh, or you can always email us at hello at twoadoptivemamas.com. Um, we love to get uh either ideas or, you know, a lot of our upcoming episodes in the next month or two are because listeners came in and said, Hey, I just really would love navigating fill in the blank about what their day to day is. Um, and if someone asks, it means that there's probably lots of others who are already thinking it. And so we are super excited to bring those conversations. And like I said, we're starting the conversations. We're not finishing them. Um, and that's what I think is super cool to just keep going uh, and keep continuing uh, all these important things that we need to share. So our guests are great. We're super honored to have so many wonderful guests along uh, and they bring a wealth of information, so many resources. Uh, so we're super excited about the ones that are upcoming. Um, yeah, I think I would say probably Instagram is more, is our, is our jam right now. <laughs> so um, we, we love all, we love all aspects of it. You can listen on our website and you can listen wherever else you find your podcast too. We're on all the, all the apps. I don't even know all their names. I know there's so many of them. There are so many. I just, I just say anywhere you find your podcast. That's how we say it now too. Cause it's just like, well, I don't know which one you're listening on, but I'm sure we're there. Exactly. Oh my goodness. That's so funny. And I'll be listing all of the two adoptive mamas podcast information as well as social media handles, website, everything in our program notes, as well as in our social media posts um, for this episode this week. So Liz, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I hope, you know, um, I like to end our episodes on a hope takeaway. I love to end with words of hope. So as a mom of two amazing kiddos with amazing superpowers, what can you share to other moms out there, to other families out there that have kiddos with FASD or with special needs and, um, and that may be going through a season, what words of hope can you offer to them? So um, I loved preparing for our conversation today because it was just a, a time for me to reflect on things that have been important. For this one, I I honestly struggled a little bit, not because I don't have hope. I have hope in the one who gives all hope. Um, and you do too, listeners. So I guess there's takeaway number one. <laughs> um, but because I was having just, you know, a hard time co- condensing it to one uh, takeaway. Um, so I guess I will say this. Uh, we have our kiddos for as long as God has, you know, blessed us with them. So that's not a season. But 
if you are in a current difficult season, remember that seasons don't last forever. And I think it's important uh, to be able to take a step back uh, and realize that maybe spring is right around the corner um, or spring is about to turn into summer, whatever season that might be. Um, Sometimes when we get so in the weeds of our day to day, and we're looking at only what's right in front of us, we forget that the it's a season, you know, and, um, as an example from our own life and my own parenting journey, what I was dealing with in January is nothing like what I'm dealing with right now. Is she still my daughter? Yep. Is he still my son? Yep. Are there some similarities to January? Sure. But how I'm parenting now is different because not only have they walked through that season, I have too. Um, And that's because God has led me through it. He equipped me for that season. And now he's equipping me for June, July, August, September, whatever month it happens to be um, moving forward. So, so I think I'll, I'll leave it with that one. (laughs) Those are wonderful words of hope. Liz Grubb of Two Adoptive Mamas podcast and website and beyond. Thank you so much for being on FASD Hope. It was a privilege and an honor. Thanks, Natalie. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us again next week and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.